What is the most used man-made material on earth? You guessed right, it's concrete. Look around, it's everywhere. Sidewalks, driveways, foundations, floor you stand on, and even entire buildings are made out of concrete. So why don't we discuss it more? In each episode of Concrete Logic, we'll explore one concrete-related topic with the help from industry professionals that are shaping the future of the trade. We'll talk with suppliers, contractors, architects, engineers, specialists, and even some proponents of competing materials about their views of concrete and their vision of its future. Hey, Concrete Logic Podcast listener Seth here. This week we got uh, Ron Mack in. Uh, he's a small business owner out in California, and he's looking to start a uh, concrete house building uh, company, residential building company. Uh, so he was an interesting guest to have on, and uh, we split this episode in two. I try to keep these... Uh, podcast between 30 to 40 minutes and we definitely uh, went beyond that so we explored different uh, concrete uh, house building systems and uh, Ron's done research for the last four years on on each one of these systems and uh, ultimately has chosen one and uh, this week we uh, cover about half of the different systems and then uh, next week we'll uh, We'll pick up the rest of it. All right. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. And welcome to another episode of the Concrete Logic Podcast. Today, I have Ron Mack in with me, and he and I are going to discuss concrete houses. I'm very excited to have him on the show. Ron, do you want to give a, a short introduction on yourself? Yeah, sure. Yeah, first I wanted to uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited about talking about concrete homes, and uh, I also just wanted to thank you for doing the podcast and putting it out to the world. It, it still kind of blows me away that anybody in the world that wants to learn more about this stuff can can get this stuff for free and and educate themselves. and And so I just appreciate the service that you and other people are doing to spread knowledge in the world. Oh, thank you. Uh, so my personal story, my interest in concrete started after the Tubbs fire in 2017. That was in Sonoma County, California. Uh, in two days, 5,300 homes burned and 22 people died. Uh, it was basically a, a massive windblown wildfire. Uh, we, we always knew that there could be wildfires, but we had never seen anything like that. Um, so through that, I was both lucky and unlucky. I live out in the country. And, uh, so my house survived we all had plenty of time to evacuate and stuff. So we were all safe. Um, but my entire property burned, including a circle around my house. Um, and then the, the granny unit accessory dwelling unit that my mother-in-law was living in, uh, on my property that burned down. Um, and she, she was already very sick. So, uh, she, she died a year later and that basically gave me an opportunity to, uh, take my time in rebuilding. And, uh, with my work, I'm 
I consider myself a, a designer. I'm really into industrial design, product design, that kind of stuff. So I essentially started this kind of as a journey to um, think about, well, if you want to build a house that's affordable and disaster resistant, how would you do it? And uh, probably no surprise to you, I, I ended up with concrete as, you know, kind of the key to it. Um, so, so basically my, where I'm at is, uh, I'm planning on starting a business to build concrete homes. Um, but I also just feel like that needs to be done more in the world. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm planning on putting everything out that I'm doing as far as how and concrete mixes and all that type of stuff. And, you know, just share whatever I can with other people, because I, I really believe that this is how we should be building, you know, maybe not all houses, but, but most houses going forward. And so, uh, anyway, that's, that's my connection to concrete. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. The, uh, that story is, is crazy. And the, the photo you sh uh, sent me that shows the, uh, you, the charred, uh, landscape that just circled your house so I, I can't even imagine I, I've seen you know pictures and video obviously when y'all have fires out there and it's just something that's uh, it's just insane to me to have to deal with um, but I um, I'm excited to hear that you're uh, you, you have an existing business that uh, obviously has been successful for for almost a couple decades and now you're you want to start a new one and it's related to concrete so that's why you're you're on the show today so that's awesome yeah do you want to you want to get into uh um what you've been uh looking at and and uh your your opinions on on what's out there so far yeah definitely i i wanted to kind of um give a little overview first of kind of where we're at um talk about the benefits of concrete homes then we can dive into the different ways that you can build a house with concrete and then uh, kind of wrap up with kind of like future direction, where do we go from here kind of stuff. Um, as far as the big picture in the United States for the last 300 or so years, we've primarily built houses out of wood. Uh, it, wood has been abundant and affordable and it's, it's really, flexible and has a bunch of strengths to it. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been a good run, but I feel like there's some trends that have made it so that um, building, framing houses out of wood is no longer the best way to do it. Um, the, the four main trends that I see, the first is resiliency. Uh, our houses just need to stand up to more now than they did in the past whether it's hurricanes, flooding, wildfires, there's just more of that now than there was in the past. Uh, the second thing is energy efficiency. If you go back even to the 70s, uh, insulation was pretty minimal and air tightness was not really a concern. Um, and so now those two things um, are, and the whole kind of building science trend those, those are big forces in construction. Um, and, and basically it's tricky to do that stuff with wood. Um, another energy efficiency related thing is thermal mass. 
the idea that if you uh, heat up a volume of concrete to heat up or cool down a volume of concrete, it's going to stay at that temperature for a long time. And that can help kind of even out the temperature differences between day and night. It's basically another energy efficiency component. Um, the next trend, third trend, is changes in lumber and concrete over time. If you think about a two by four from 100 years ago, it would have been a true two inches by four inches. It would have been old growth wood, and it would have had natural resins in there that were resistant to moisture and termites and lots of stuff. Uh, the, that, that two by four now is a, a farmed, you know, maybe 25 year old tree, very little resin. It's not two inches by four inches anymore. And it's just a, an inferior product. And then in comparison, concrete, concrete a hundred years ago, we were, you know, in the, in the beginning phases of modern concrete, compressive strength tests, you know, the comp compressive strength was much lower. And, you know, now we have completely amazing concrete. I mean, uh, I, I can't remember who, uh, I, I heard this at World of Concrete, I can't remember who said it, but they said that more's changed in concrete in the last 30 years than the previous 3,000 years. And I, I think that, um, well, certainly the general public and, and many people really don't appreciate the incredible ability that concrete has to solve just a huge number of problems that, that were challenging in the past. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so overlooked because it's everywhere. So it's, uh, I guess it's taken for granted like water. So it's, it's there. Yeah. Well, and if you, if you look at concrete, you know, how, do, how do you know if it's 1500 PSI or 30,000 PSI, you know, it, it's, uh, it all kind of looks the same, but it, it's, a, it's a very different material. Right. Um, and then the last trend is just lumber costs and, and labor costs. I mean, who knows where lumber costs will be long term, but uh, that kind of balance between should you build with wood or should you build with concrete, um, concrete price-wise has been relatively stable compared to the crazy stuff that's happened in lumber. And that's definitely kind of shifted that whole environment. Yeah, you could pull up a, ch a bunch of charts and show you that. So the, yeah, uh, historically, uh, like, you know, cement's a big uh, uh, portion of concrete, um, but uh, it's been relatively flat as far as increase. And it's just recently, this last uh, year, a little over a year that we've had a 10% increase versus uh, wood in the past. It, it, like right now it's down, but it could jump up, you know, 20, 30% in a very short time frame, And that's what's happened to us in the last uh, couple of years. We've been riding the ups and downs of wood. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like inflation. So what happens is we all get used to paying a certain price the high prices for wood or steel or whatever, and then uh, um, they they knock it down, maybe a couple hundred bucks, uh, you know, a thousand. They sell by a thousand foot uh, for wood, and uh, we get excited because the price came down. But it's still historically, it's 
sky high. And right. the same thing you can say for steel. You uh, buy it by the ton, and uh, it, it's at you know very high levels. And then again, they knock it down a couple hundred bucks uh, a ton, and we get excited because it came down. But really, it's historically it's still sky high, and it makes makes projects hard to um, uh, makes these projects uh, unfeasible for these developers to to build because the the cost there's uh, on top of labor is not uh, doesn't make the numbers doesn't make the numbers line up for them so yeah no that's that's all very true and I don't really know why cement has been comparatively stable from the little that I know I think part of it is that there's just massive inventory of cement so you know uh they, they've got just so much in reserve that, you know, the, the blips of what's going on on a, on a year scale is not enough to really jump that price around. I'm not sure if that sounds right to you. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm sure someone that uh, listens to this podcast or someone that uh, I've had on the podcast before could probably tell us better. But one thing that pops in my head is if you look at uh, uh, on the the commodities that are traded there's a uh, a futures uh a lumber futures uh that's traded and then there's steel futures that are traded but i don't know if there's a cement futures huh. traded yeah so i don't know if that has anything to do with it or not but maybe there is so if if i'm wrong someone out there correct me but uh i think that might add something to do with it um but uh, yeah, it's been relatively uh, like a two to three percent increase year over year is what we've been used to for concrete, and then uh, all of a sudden the you know I don't know if we uh, felt like we we're being left out and we wanted to jump on the on the train of uh, crazy increases or uh, or or you know if the supply chain really is bottleneck like we say it is, but. Uh, but that's another podcast, yeah. John, that we can right. go through. I don't want to interrupt what you got. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So, so obviously, wood construction is still the dominant way that new houses are being built. But, uh, but my feeling is that that wood construction is kind of fighting a losing battle. It and what it comes down to is that builders are trying to use worse wood to to build higher performing homes. And it's, you know, that the energy efficiency and other kind of performance stuff that we expect out of homes is only going to rise going forward. And I, I don't think the wood's going to get better. Um, and concrete is just inherently better at that stuff. Um, so anyway, um, another thing, too, is, is the, the number one thing that damages houses is water. It, you know, it's, it's the leak that comes in through a window or through a roof or, you know, a wall unit where you get condensation and then all of a sudden you've got a mold problem. And concrete, I mean, concrete is porous, but it's actually so easy to make concrete waterproof. And you just fundamentally change the types of problems that you can have uh, in the future if, if, you're, if you don't have to worry about water. Or more importantly, like, what the building science people say is that, you know, if, if you have a leak and you have a little 
puddle on the ground, like that is a very minor problem. But if you have a leak that's going inside your wall unit and by the time you discover it, it's done all this damage, that's the major problem. So for example, if you're working with waterproof concrete, well, it's either gonna stay outside or it's gonna go inside and it's gonna be visible. You know, there, there, is, no, there is no inside the concrete option. Um, anyway, that's another factor. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Ron. Uh, it's, uh, with anything, if you can s- simplify the uh, building envelope of whatever you're building, houses or, you know, uh, commercial building, whatever it is, if you can find one one or two uh, pieces of that envelope versus now, geez, uh, I, feel, I feel bad for these uh, general contractors. They got to deal with like three or four trades to get an envelope done on these right. buildings. Um, so, and, and it's a combination of, uh, of, of cost, I guess, and, uh, and other factors. People know how to deal with, you know, what we've been doing, uh, with building envelopes for eons. It's always the same, same section. You pull up drawings for a certain building. And I think we all just, uh, uh, copy and paste that same detail onto the next job and onto the next job and onto the next job. Never think about doing that but yeah you can definitely simplify it if you're using concrete i think yeah well one of the basic principles of industrial design is that the best part is no part and the best step is no step so it means you want to keep that part count down and if you go back to you know the automotive industry and the how cars are so much more reliable now than they were you know a few decades ago an awful lot of that is they have got that part count down super low and that just leads towards reliability and efficiency and all sorts of stuff. So if, if you're talking about, you know, wood versus concrete construction, if you can simplify what that wall assembly looks like and eliminate steps and materials, it's just a huge advantage um, from both, uh, you know, reliability and and potential labor and also just the skill of the people that it takes to assemble it. You know, if, if you need to constantly worry about the minute ways that water can get inside your wall, well, you know, you need to make sure that the person that's doing that is really skilled and trained and conscientious. And so if you can assume, if you can eliminate some of those, some of those requirements, you're just better off even as far as the, you know, the type of people that can do that work and the amount of experience that they need. So as far as just kind of um, overall, the good news is like from 2009 to 2019, new concrete home, the new homes built out of concrete have increased by two and a half times. Uh, and the market share has gone from 5% to 10%. That's from the National Association of Home Builders, uh, NAHB. Um, and something that I was surprised at is that adoption of concrete for homes is driven by the South. You know, we like, uh, it's not, it's not places like where I live. And, um, of course there's a lot of factors, but two major factors. One is places like Florida have increased their building codes. Um, so, you know, there's so much damage from hurricanes and flooding that they've just made the building codes tougher. And then another big factor is the insurance incentives. 
if you build a concrete home, you're going you're gonna to get a big uh, benefit as far as the cost of insurance. And so those two factors have basically driven more stuff towards concrete than would have traditionally been wood. Um, sadly, that's not what's happening in California. The out of I think more than 4,000 of the homes that burned down in Sonoma County, where I am, um, I, I would guess maybe 98% of them were built out of wood, rebuilt out of wood. Uh, you, you would think that you know after. Well, anyway, it's it's kind of a complicated story that people wanted to build out of something besides wood, but the industry is so set up for that, and the prices were high for building out of concrete, um, so that drove it. But anyway, so that the South is what's kind of driving uh, this increase in concrete homes right now. Um, huh? So yeah. I would have guessed out west. Yeah, I know. Well. Yeah, that's not the case, unfortunately. So a couple terms I think that are important. One is um, sustainability versus resiliency. And sustainability is basically like the ability for something to continue. So, you know, you can talk about lumber as like a sustainable resource because they keep on, you know, the trees, you can regrow the trees after you harvest one. And resiliency is the ability to withstand the expected kind of threats that a house would require or would face. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate in that and there's a lot more talk about sustainability than resiliency. But if you think about it, um, if a house isn't going to survive the threats that it's likely to face during its its lifetime, you know, the sustainability part really doesn't matter that much because What's, what's the point of rebuilding a house, you know, from just a material standpoint and also just all the cost and, and you know, it's horrible for homeowners and all that. So I, I kind of feel like when we're talking about homes, we should be talking about resiliency uh, a lot. And, you know, obviously that's, there's the whole sustainability question that's a separate thing, but I, I think it's just really important that to me, you start with resiliency. If it's if it's not a resilient home, you know, I, I think it's a fair question to ask why you're building it that way. Yeah, that's why uh, we don't build bamboo homes. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go back four or five hundred years. Uh, Tokyo was built mostly out of paper and wood houses, and uh, you know, one fire basically burned the whole town down. Uh, yeah, so that would have been uh, would have hit the uh, sustainable checkbox, but not right. the resiliency checkbox. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to get into the whole thing about mass timber. I, I think uh, that's a different topic. But we could do that again on another podcast. I've been wanting <laughs> to do one on that. So um, jumping into the benefits of concrete homes. Uh, and, and these apply no matter what concrete home construction technique you use. They, they all basically have these benefits. Uh, the first is high resiliency to natural disasters, which we talked about. That's basically hurricanes, floods, wildfires, and earthquakes. Uh, most concrete homes can withstand 200 plus mile an hour winds. 
So that's a big factor for a lot of the US. The next benefit is quiet interiors. Um, the, the combination of the insulation and the thermal mass and the air tightness just makes a much quieter environment. Uh, there's examples of multifamily homes. I think I heard about one in uh, Minneapolis where they built a tall building next to a freeway and it was so in so quiet inside those apartments that the people living there, uh, many of them were setting up white noise machines because they were kind of weirded out by how quiet it was inside, even though they were right next to a freeway. Hmm. Uh, the third point is um, high insulation and air tightness things. We talked some about that already. Uh, I, the important thing to remember there, I think, is air tightness. We, we talk a lot about our values and insulation, but if you ac actually think about energy efficiency, the air tightness is about half of the benefit. Um, you know, they do these blower door tests and, and they calculate how many, you know, air circulation, air turnover per hour. And, you know, you can have a really well insulated house, but if it, does, if it isn't airtight, it, you know, it's going to use as much like energy as a much less um, insulated house. And to get air tightness with concrete, I mean, it's almost like, how could you not, you know, obviously there's the, the window and door openings that you need to pay close attention to, but otherwise concrete is just inherently airtight. Mm -hmm. um, fourth one is well water damage, which we talked about. And then that relates to the next one, mold and termite resistance. Uh, obviously if, if you don't have wood and you don't have water in there, mold and termites are not going to be an issue. And then the last was just the, what we already covered about concrete walls have fewer components and it's potentially a simpler construction. So that's kind of the overview. And then I wanted to jump into the different ways to build a concrete home. Um, so the first one is Cast in, I'll just list them first and then we'll talk about them more after that. There's You have cast in place. That's obviously where you have forms on site and then pour concrete. Uh, Precast panels. That's where, uh, say for example, wall assemblies are uh, built in a factory and then, um, and then brought to the job site and stood up. Uh, you've got ICF, insulating concrete forms which a lot of people are familiar with. And then uh, ICCF, which is insulating composite concrete forms. That's where the outside of it isn't made out of foam. It's made out of something that's more rigid, like um, concrete and EPS or concrete and mineralized wood. Uh, then you have uh, SKIPS, which is structural concrete insulated panels. That's where you basically have the foam on the inside and then you spray concrete, two inches of concrete on the interior and exterior walls. And then the last way to build a house out of concrete is 3D printed, which uh, there's been a ton of interest in and discussion. I know you, you've covered that somewhat also. Yeah. So uh, when you, 
and you're going to go into your evaluation of each one of these, right? Yeah. Uh, and when you were looking at just uh, just an overview, when you were evaluating these, were you evaluating um, as a homeowner, as a as a person that's going to start a business doing this, or how? What's your evaluation based on? Uh, yeah. Well, basically that affordability and disaster resistance. So I, w I was always thinking of it as, uh, as, as from a business standpoint, it, you know, housing affordability is a huge problem and disaster resistance is a huge problem. So, uh, so that's, really, that's really what I was looking at uh, as far as, you know, how to evaluate that. It was definitely more, much more than just the one house. The way I'm doing the one house, it, it would have been easier to do it a different way. But, you know, I'm trying to build something that uh, you could replicate in a lot of other places. So um, going over some of the details for like form cast in place walls. Um, Thomas Edison was the first person who created cast in place homes starting in 1910. I know uh, you covered that some as part of the history of concrete. Uh, the, the part I, I didn't realize before was uh, they, they did a monolithic pour for a multi-story house. They were pouring at the very top, starting with the chimney, and that concrete was going down and doing all the walls and floors. It sounds completely insane to me, and I can't imagine doing that in 1910, but that's what they were doing. Uh, anyway, huh. that was the Thomas, cool. Thomas Edison thing. Uh, so cast in place can still be done, but you know, it's, it's not really a modern way because some of these other ones have kind of obsoleted, you know, all the form work and everything for doing that on site, I would say. So that's not uh, what you're looking at. Is right. That what you're yeah. So the next right. one is uh, precast concrete panels. So that's where you would typically cast in a factory. You can have the window and door openings all laid out, and then you basically bring these uh, wall panel units out on a truck to the job site, uh, use a big crane, stand those up. Um, yeah. There's some variations. Some of them attach insulation as part of that precast form in the factory, and then other ones they'll basically uh, precast the concrete at the factory, and then they'll install insulation on site as part of doing, you know, electrical and other stuff. And the, the ones you were looking at, Ron, were they like, uh, I, I, or I forgot to ask this when you were doing the cast in place, but are these uh, like the precast panels, uh, were they like full height of, of the house? Is that what you were looking at? Uh, like so most, mostly like a single story because you, you know, there's the limitations on, on what you can transport on a truck. Um, yeah, I was, I was mostly looking at like, you know, if you're doing a two story house, they, they wouldn't have one panel that would be two stories tall. So I wasn't looking so much at like uh, a tilt up, you know, where you pour it on the site. I was looking more at kind of the, where you, they're building it at a factory someplace else. Okay. Uh, so there's, they, they tend to do like one story at a time. Huh? Yeah, uh, I've built precast 
garages in the past. You can definitely do two-story and truck it. Uh, panels. Uh, yeah, I was just curious what the housing, uh, the guys that are doing the precast housing, what it looks like. What, uh, uh, but you still would need, uh, you know, obviously cast in place foundation uh, and the connections, right? Embeds, just like um, commercial buildings that I've done in the past. There's like an embed and that panel uh, either welds or there's a, a, a bolt connection that those do. Was that the same thing yeah. you were seeing? Yeah, they do it that same way. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's pretty amazing. They can stand up all the panels for a house in a day, you know, because mm -hmm. you've got all that stuff, like you're saying, you've got the foundation and everything ready to go, and, and you're basically just craning those things in and then using the hardware to to tie them all together. Uh, and, you know, after that, it's typically ready for a, a kind of a conventional roof. Yeah, it could be a, uh, uh, if you came up with, like, if you were doing this and you came up with the same, uh, if you were doing, like, a neighborhood and all the houses were going to be the same, uh, maybe you change the outside to look a little bit different so it's not, it doesn't look like, I don't know, uh, a bunch of cookie-cutter houses. But uh, um, that's the thing with precast is there's a lot of... Uh, uh, pre-design work that you got to do and, yeah. and a lot of uh, so when I hear folks say hey look look how fast precast goes up and I'm like y'all didn't see all the effort that the right. design team had to do up front um, architects and engineers have to review those drawings ahead of time they gotta they're just just like shop drawings so you got to review those ahead of time get those reviewed and approved and everybody's got to agree and then once those panels are casted that's it it's done deal Whatever they cast it, right. it shows up on the job site. You're not changing it. Yeah. Um, so all all that has to be considered. Uh, but precast is definitely a uh, it has its it's a, it has its places. So um, it's definitely um, a great product. Yeah. In certain it, cases. Yeah, and um, I think you know from an affordability standpoint. Uh, I don't think it's because of some of the factors you mentioned, you know, if you're trying to build affordably, I think that's a weakness of precast is, you know, some of the steps and the fact that like, you know, you, you're not going to have some little crew just doing this out in the fields, you know? Mm. So, yeah, definitely a different, uh, you got to have uh, yeah, a crew, a different skill set, And they also, uh, obviously you need a crane. Yeah. So that, equipment you know different heavy heavier equipment than you would if you were uh, doing uh, some of these other options that you're you have on your list right yeah and then you know surprisingly like with some of them they they stand up the precast concrete and then they basically install two by fours insulation and sheetrock on the inside and and so you know it's like you're not quite doubling what you're doing, but you know, there's a lot of kind of repeat there that it's not all done that way. Some of them are more like systems where the insulation's there and they've got, you know, channels for electrical and that kind of stuff. But, but I was kind of surprised to see that as, you know, there's definitely people out 
building that way where they're they're almost you know building a whole house inside their precast concrete all right that's where we're going to leave it off this week uh ron and i will uh, pick it up next week and start on uh our discussion on 3d printing and then uh we'll talk about uh the concrete system he ended up choosing too so uh tune in next week and and pick up uh this conversation thanks thank you for joining us for another concrete logic podcast episode if you got some value out of this or you enjoyed it please share it with others and if you could take a moment and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app, I would appreciate it. We will uh, catch you on the next episode. And now Mike Dutton's going to take us out. Ring, ring, that alarm always sings a couple hours before the sun comes up. Open up the side, put some diesel in the lights and wait till the trucks roll up. Yeah, this ain't how most folks live their lives. Dripping in sweat, working overtime. But while they're tying their ties for their nine to fives, we're out here changing these skylines with wood, iron, and mud. We work hard for a dollar, give thanks to the Lord above. Oh